what's up guys welcome back to another episode of the fantasy fellow show i'm your host the fellow kgb you can follow me on twitter at the fellow kgb and today i'm really excited to have a guest on the show andrew mackins you can follow him on twitter at andrew mackins and you can find his work at the undroppables they just dropped a new website theundroppables.com and today we're going to be talking about some players to target at adp so uh super excited to have you on the show andrew thank you for being here and uh yeah welcome to the show Thank you, Kyle. I'm excited to be here as well. I know you and I have a uh, dynasty league that we're in together, and I'm excited to see how that rolls out for us this season, you know, provided that we do have a full season. But I appreciate you uh, mentioning the Undroppables. We used to be can'tcutlist.com for a while. Our founder at 101 Chalk, he actually has been doing a lot of great work on redesigning the site. And he went ahead and secured the undroppables.com URL for us just last weekend. So we launched this, this new site uh, just at the beginning of the week. We have rankings on the site from some of our lead analysts. Uh, at this point, uh, with myself being the, like the main editor and, and one of our many contributors, we're putting a new article up every day. So that's something that you can keep on the lookout for. We're, we've been doing a lot of off-season breakdowns, so we're still going team by team and breaking down players and their fantasy outlooks that way. And I think uh, in terms of ADP, which we're going to talk a lot, a lot about this, uh, this episode of your show, uh, we have FFPC's Superflex ADP, at, both for Redraft and Dynasty under our resources tab. So uh, that's a lot of different stuff that you can find, a lot of different resources and tools we're using at the Undroppables, and I encourage you all to check it out. Yeah, man, I was just kind of doing the screen share showing off the site, and uh, we're just looking at the Redraft Superflex ADP here. Uh, but yeah, a lot of cool stuff on the, the undroppables.com, so check that out. And uh, yeah, like we said, we're going to be talking about players to target at ADP today. We're going to start with our quarterbacks, and uh, I'm going to start off with my quarterback being Matt Stafford. Uh, if we look at, we're using uh, some ADP here from Fantasy Pros. They have a good collection of different websites like ESPN, Yahoo, CBS, uh, MFL and Fantrax, and they kind of give you the average of those guys. And uh, my quarterback that I just, I play a lot of best ball leagues. So the one guy, like, I don't like taking quarterback early just because I don't know. I've just, I've never been into it unless like a, a top, you know, five guy maybe falls way too farther than he should. Uh, but the quarterback that I've been looking at and getting a lot is Matthew Stafford. Uh, it's so, it, on this Fantasy Pros site, it's showing he's a quarterback ADP of about 13. Uh, that's probably the highest he's being drafted. Uh, so he's anywhere from like nine, like rounds nine, 10, 11 in that range. And if we look at what he did last year uh, on a points per game basis, I think he was like the third best quarterback um, in a like a standard four point passing touchdown league. Uh, if you filter by fantasy points per game, he was the third best. He averaged about 20.8 fantasy points per game. And that was just in eight games. He threw like 2,500 yards and 19 touchdowns. Uh, which is a crazy pace for half the season. That's almost a 5,000-yard pace, almost 38 touchdowns. Uh, I don't know if we can expect him to do that for a full season, but if you look at some of his game logs from last year, he has five games where he threw three or more touchdowns, and one of those was a four-touchdown game. So uh, especially in best ball league, I like the upside there. He's got the young talent with Kenny Galladay. I think a lot of people are coming on to him as being a potential top five, top ten receiver this year. You got Marvin Jones, you got TJ Hawkinson. And then they invested in the offense a little bit this year with, you know, they got DeAndre Swift and Kerryon Johnson. So he's got a lot of targets. And I think this might be, I mean, I know he had Kelvin Johnson for like the prime of his career, 
but now at the back end, like you can see Detroit really surrounding him with some good players. And uh, it might be his best supporting cast that I think he's had uh, completely around him. So I'm really into Matt Stafford. And I mean, he's playing in the NFC North. I know the Bears defense is pretty good. The Packers have a decent secondary. Uh, I think Minnesota is going to be in trouble this year with their secondary. So I like those games. Um, but when I get Matt Stafford, I usually, because I wait so long, I usually end up pairing him with another quarterback. So I can play those matchups when I need to. And that's kind of the nice thing about Stafford is his ADP is so cheap. You can just tack on another quarterback and kind of use him as a tandem. Um, but I love getting Matt Stafford. And then his schedule is pretty favorable too. Uh, looking at my notes here, he's going to open up against the Bears and the Packers, which uh, I have a cool, let me show you uh, on the screen share. We're looking at um, pro football reference where you can actually look and see uh, how many fantasy points a defense allowed. So just from quarterback uh, standpoint, uh, the Bears ranked seventh, the Packers were sixth. But week three, he's going to play the Cardinals, who are dead last uh, in allowing the most fantasy points per quarterback. And then they play the Saints, which were actually a surprise because they're like the 21st uh, worst team at fantasy points. Uh, so he's kind of got a rough start with the Bears and Packers. But after that, he's playing 32nd team, the 21st, the 19th, the 26th and the 22nd. So he's got a lot of favorable matchups on his schedule after he gets past the first two weeks. Uh, so I look at schedule a lot. I think that's a really helpful thing to look at to get out hot. But uh, yeah, man, Matt Stafford, uh, one of my favorite quarterbacks. Uh, what do you got for us, Andrew? Well, first I'll say I'm in lockstep with you on the Stafford pick. I I think that that eight game sample size he had is something that could be rep replicatable or replicable. Um, so I, I love hearing what you put together there. And I'm I also appreciate you sharing that pro football reference tool because I, I love checking out stats on there, but I had never looked at defensive stats or fantasy points allowed. So I think that's a good thing for people to look into if they're going to be using PFR a lot. And what's um, cool about that is they actually have it where you can filter it uh, by standard. Uh, they actually, it says fantasy points, which is their standard point, And then they have drafting mm. scoring on there, which is okay, nice. and FanDuel, <laughs> which is happy. I love that. They're integrating DraftKings and FanDuel. So that's cool. Uh, but you can, yeah, that filter is. It. you can filter it by your scoring. You can see all the stats. So like the Cardinals gave up 38 touchdowns last year and seven touchdowns, seven picks. Um, so it's just like, and they have it for all positions too. So that's something that I've really been looking into. I'll have to share that with you uh, after the show. But uh, yeah, cool. yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. Um, so my quarterback that I'm focusing on, and uh, as another you know plug in the middle of this, I also have my own podcast with a friend of mine, Sam Hoppin. Uh, it's called Pod After Touchdown, and we actually just recorded our My Guys episode this week, and it's dropping today. Um, so a lot of the guys I'm talking about today are uh, overlapped with that. Um, but the guy I'm looking at, and particularly, you know, with ADP being a part of this conversation, Daniel Jones, I want to really take a look at him because when we think about the last couple of years and the quarterbacks that end up being those big breakouts, the reason that they're so good for your roster was because the value you got them at, whether that be Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. And people are starting to wise up to this. Like they're looking for that second year breakout quarterback, a player that's going to take a huge step. And I'm a little concerned with the ADP on Daniel Jones because I really do want to get him at a steal. But, you know, he's in that like tier with like he's after Stafford and he's in this tier kind of once the double digit rounds start. So he could be you know, the last quarterback that 
or the last QB one that you draft for your team, like some, someone on your, in your home league might've drafted a backup quarterback already. You're still waiting to draft your first you go with Daniel Jones. I think he's got a good combination of upside and floor because he did show he can run a lot. He got a couple touchdowns on the ground. He had near uh, around as many rushing yards as Gardner Minshew last season. And I think there's upside for more because obviously he only played, uh, he didn't play 16 games, you had Eli Manning kind of in there, um, jocking on his swag or lack thereof uh, with Daniel Jones. I think it, when you look at that 16-game pace, though, based on what he did do, he had over 600 passing attempts, over 4,000 passing yards, and 32 touchdowns. Uh, that would have been his 16-game pace. And I think at that value, finding a, a pocket passer or you know a quarterback that is primarily a pocket passer but also has some rushing upside, throwing the ball over 600 times, that's something we really want to look for in fantasy. And that's kind of a benchmark that we use for guys like uh, Ben Roethlisberger and Matt Ryan and when it comes to their fantasy success. So his ability to make a second-year leap um, could be you know, in question. Obviously, the schedule's tough early on. He plays the Steelers in, I think, week one. Um, but there, uh, one other stat about Daniel Jones, uh, more just a situational stat, when he was playing last year, he never had his full uh, core of weapons all at the same time. So whether it was Saquon Barkley being injured, Evan Ingram, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, or Darius Slayton, he didn't have all five of those guys on the field at the same time. And this is a chance where, you know, starting week one, this is the offensive unit they have to work with. They're bringing in Jason Garrett, who's worked with the, the Cowboys offense before. I, I mean, I don't know how much of a spark plug Garrett's going to be, but I am excited to see Dalen Jones improve, especially if he can cut back on turnovers because he fumbled the ball like 15 times or something crazy last year. Uh, so I think there's a lot of upside there, especially if you're looking for uh, like the next quarterback who's going to take that you know first to second year leap but you're getting him at a later adp than say a, like a kyler murray yeah man i totally agree and the, the numbers that stand out to me about daniel jones is he threw 24 touchdowns in 13 games as a rookie that's yeah i mean went, go ahead you you watch his highlights and he's had he had a lot of those spike weeks too like weeks that are going to help you win your your fantasy week which will get you to the playoffs right and uh, he, he's in the NFC East, and I don't think any defenses scare me in the NFC East. So that's already six games where you know, oh, like we're starting Daniel Jones this week. And uh, it's really the also like I like the player, but I really like the playmakers around him. Uh, Golden Tate's a super steady uh, target over the middle of the field. He's got the deep targets with uh, with Slayton and then uh, Sterling Shepard's kind of the utility knife that can do it all. And then Evan Ingram's going to be roving around if he can stay healthy for a full 16. I think that's going to be a huge boost. And then Saquon, of course. Uh, so he's legit got, you know, he's, I think he's like my 14th or 15th ranked quarterback, but I know like he's probably going to be almost every other week. He's got quarterback one upside. So uh, he's one of those best ball targets for me where like, yeah, I could pair him with Matt Stafford. And I know like my, my quarterback room's covered for the full season. Uh, but uh, yeah, you did mention his schedule to start the year is a little bit daunting. Uh, so you might want to, you know, make sure you have someone else in there. I think they do play the Steelers, the Ravens and like the Niners or something. Uh, yeah yeah it is pretty brutal it's kind of brutal so like he might even be one of those guys that uh you can maybe even trade for early in the season that's another thing that I like to do Mm -hmm. someone was higher on him in the draft than me uh sometimes I'll wing out a trade the second or third week when people are having these knee-jerk reactions to the first couple games 
so yeah, I love Daniel Jones, and I, I think I, I think I think it's because of the weapons around him too. Uh, I think there's enough value there and uh, good playmakers to help him push push for a top twelve season. So uh, we have a list here of honorable mentions, and like cause we play some super flex leagues, so we just kind of wanted to throw out uh, mm-hmm. some other quarterback twos that might end up on your roster this year. Yeah, I think, you know, when we talk about Daniel Jones, I think he's also a smash for Superflex because for me, like if I am in a Superflex or a 2QB, I want to get one of those top six guys. So I have at least one elite guy locked in that I can start week week in and week out. And then if I have to stream the second QB position, I'm fine to do that or I can find one of these values. So Daniel Jones falls into that conversation as well. Uh, I mentioned Garner Minshew and I think, uh, everyone's projecting the Jaguars to be very bad this year, which means they're going to be behind in games. They're going to be throwing a lot. Minshew's interception rate was pretty low last year. So even if that ticks up a bit and and you look at his rushing ability, uh, that could tick up. So I think he's a good, you know, could be a solid choice for you there. And then uh, Sam Hoppins, my guy from our podcast episode, who I also love and is surprisingly going later in drafts than Daniel Jones is Jared Goff. And I think Jared Goff's another candidate who could throw for 600 plus times. And we are drafting guys like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods in the third, fourth round, where at least half of the fantasy community is talking about Tyler Higby as this awesome breakout tight end. And so if you think that all of those guys are going to succeed, I think Jared Goff has a really good chance to succeed as well. Yeah, man, I really like Jared Goff. And Cup and, uh, Cup and Woods are two of my favorite targets in that third, fourth round range. And uh, I mean, if you get both tight ends on the field too, I really don't trust the running game. I think that's going to be the main staple of the offense, the passing game. So I love Jared Goff. And then uh, another quarterback that I've been coming on to as like a, a super flex QB two, it's Cam Newton, just because I like in some of those matchups, you know, like against Miami or whether it's uh, the Jets, I think Cam Newton might be a really good guy to whip out there. Uh, and I think he's going to be pissed off and trying to show people that mm-hmm. you know, I still got the goods. Uh, so I like Cam Newton's kind of uh, chip on his shoulder there. And then another one, too, is uh, Teddy Bridgewater, just because I think uh, the, similar to the Jaguars, we're not expecting the Carolina Panthers, like their defense to be much this year. And uh, I just I kind of like the new coach, Matt Rule, and then uh, the new offensive coordinator, Joe Brady from LSU. I think that's going to be uh, a heavy pass attempt offense. I could see Teddy Bridgewater getting almost 600 passing attempts himself. And then again, mm-hmm. he's got a really good cast of weapons with DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, of course. Uh, even Ian Thomas, uh, and then you got Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel. So they got a lot of different teams yeah. they can move on the chessboard. So I, I'm coming on to that. They're probably not going to win a lot of games. So it's kind of like the Jaguars situation where they're going to be down and uh, throwing the ball a lot. So uh, those are our quarterbacks that uh, we wanted to mention. <laughs> yeah. The- I like that you brought up Bridgewater because I think Minshew gets a lot of shine for his rushing and his, and his mustache. But you look at Bridgewater and obviously – I think if you compare the Panthers and the Jaguars offense, like Panthers have more weapons. So that could go a long way for Bridgewater. He did well with the Saints last year. So I, I, I like that you bring that up because I think he is pretty underrated in that conversation. Yep. And uh, typically in a best ball league, I'll end up with like Matt Stafford and then I'll get I'll get Gardner Minshew and Teddy Bridgewater. And I'm, I'm nice. feeling super good about the quarterback. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's enough quarterback talk. I think, though, we're going to move on to <laughs> running backs. And uh, we're doing okay on time, but we'll probably have to speed these up a little bit. Uh, but my running back that I've been kind of pounding the table for all summer is Josh Jacobs. And then we get these news blurbs yesterday about him wanting to catch 60, uh, 60 catches mm-hmm. this year. 
which is a little bit insane. I kind of thought he would be like a 35 to 40 catch player this year. Uh, yeah. but a lot of positivity or a lot of positive things going Josh Jacobs' way this year. Uh, it's going to be year two of the offense, so he's going to be more comfortable. I think he's going to be a little bit more used as a pass catcher. Uh, and one of the big things that I thought last year was they didn't really trust him to, to be on the third down passing. I know his snap counts were low. Uh, but they did uh, have DeAndre Washington, who's now in Kansas City. And DeAndre Washington had 41 targets and 36 receptions himself. So all of those numbers have to go somewhere. And when you look at the depth chart with Josh Jacobs, it's just Jalen Richard, who's he's exclusively the two-minute offense, you know, third down back. So I have him for about 40 targets yeah. this year. But those 41 from Washington need to go somewhere. They did draft Lynn Bowden. But again, he's kind of like a, a wide receiver, running back convert. So I really don't know how much they're going to – is Gruden really going to trust him that much uh, to take, you know, most of those 40 uh, targets? I really don't think so. So if you look at what Jacobs did in 2019 with 27 targets in 13 games, I don't think it's crazy to expect somewhere in the 40 to 50 target range. And if he can get 35 to 40 catches, uh, I think that's where you could really push him up into the top 10 RBs. Uh, but – really we're kind of splitting hairs because it's it, we're looking at the receptions as the, the, like the booster for for our, uh, his RB value but he's going to get a lot of carries uh, if you kind of did the math and projected his 13 games out to full 16 uh, he's going to be flirting with almost 300 carries uh, this season which is you know Derrick Henry level and uh, oh yeah the, the Raiders offensive line it's a pretty good offensive line mm -hmm. and Gruden in his past he's shown that he's willing to just give one player the ball a ton of times uh you can go back and look at some players the one that's coming to mind is like Cadillac Williams in Tampa Bay he just like ran him into the ground which I think Jacobs is a little bit more sturdier and built better but sure I think I think the with all the weapons that they brought in too in the draft in the receiving room, I think that offense is going to be more efficient, which means some maybe some more red zone attempts for Jacobs. So I have him, uh, I have him with a, a reception touchdown or two, and then I have him at nine or ten touchdowns. So I think he could be a double digit touchdown guy. I think he's going to be almost in the two hundred nineties for carries, and then the real swing is if you can get him in the thirty five to forty reception range. I think that's going to really boost his value to an RB ten and where he's being drafted. If I pull up the ADP real quick, he's somewhere in the in the mid second round. Um, yeah, I'm really warming up to him. You mentioned the offensive line, and like I also gotta always give a little pop to Alec Ingold, who actually went to our high school. Little known fact: Kyle and I did go to the same high school. But <laughs> uh, Alec Ingold, great fullback, uh, who was a rookie last year, and I assume he's only going to get better. And, and that makes me want to root for Jacobs even more because I want to see, you know, obviously if Jacobs is succeeding, Ingold is succeeding in blocking for him. Gruden is that guy who, you know, runs the two RBs out there in his personnel. Um, and that upside for receptions, just getting more involved in the offense second year in, I think that that's entirely feasible. I, I do tend to way or like hat think those reports hold a little more weight than not or like i can be influenced by them but i mean get that we think about Derek carr and being captain checkdown like he's still gonna do that even if he doesn't want to be disrespected as much as he has been in the past he's still gonna you know throw those short area targets and i think that that would bode well for jacobs as well uh one of the stats i forgot to mention is he threw 117 passes to running backs and fullbacks last year uh, so yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And that's pretty much why he was able to throw for almost 70% completion rate. 
but Derek Carr, he looks for the running backs. He's really friendly with the, the checkdowns, and he's not afraid to take the smart play. And uh, I think Jacobs averaged like over eight yards per catch. And it's one of the like if you go back and watch his Alabama tape, it's one of his like biggest assets of his game is his pass, you know, run after the catch ability and all that stuff. So uh, I just think Gruden, he knows that he he should have used him more last year, and I think he's going to make sure that uh, Jacobs gets his touches. So uh, super excited about Josh Jacobs. But uh, what do you got for uh, for a running back at ADP? Yeah, another guy that is going to be a sophomore this year in the NFL, and it's Miles Sanders. Mm-hmm. You're mentioning mentioning with ADP, like he's just a couple spots below Josh Jacobs right now. And I think it's you know completely reasonable to like both of these guys. Or if, if you could start your draft off with Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders on the back half of the draft, I, I wouldn't hate that. Like even if you have to take Jacobs in the end of the first round, um, because we see a lot of these – young running backs find their, you know, their space and break out early, early in their career. And then it's just a matter of how long can they sustain that success? At what age are they going to start dropping off from the heavy workload or whatever it may be? Uh, Both these guys are, you know, again, in their second year. And I love that Eagles offensive line just as much as everyone else does. Uh, You've got Carson Wentz with limited weapons at wide receiver. Yeah. Jalen Rager's coming in, but and you've got like Ertz and Goddard, but that still leaves a lot of targets for the running backs. Even if Boston Scott is getting some reps, that I still think there's enough work there for Miles Sanders. He had 1,300 yards and 50 receptions last season when he wasn't even getting a full workload game in and game out. And so if he is like the starter, as we expect him to be, I think that means he's going to take a step forward. Now, it might not be as big as everyone expects, but I, I still... I, I've been pounding the table for him. I'm super excited to see him continue to um, improve in this offense. And he's right there, like in that tier with guys like Kenyon Drake and Austin Eckler, in my mind, these pass catching running backs that can do a lot on the ground as well. Uh, what's weird for me is I'm looking at the Fantasy Pros ADP and Jacobs, they have him as the RB9 and they have Sanders as the RB12. And in pretty much every best ball draft I do, it's opposite, where Sanders is the guy that flirts with, mm-hmm. like, 10th, 11th, 12th overall pick, and then you see Jacobs kind of sliding to, like, 13, 14, 15. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, but then, yeah, you did mention uh, taking two of these running backs, and I kind of have, like, a tier. where I've done so many best ball drafts where I think my favorite draft is when I, I get, like, in the back four picks of the first yeah. round. And then you, you slam two running backs and there's, there's like this big tier of like Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, Clyde Edwards, Sanders, Kenyon Drake, Austin Eckler. If I can get like two of those guys, that's when I really like my team. Uh, but as, I think as far as upside, I think Sanders has the most. He was RB 15 last year already. And that's with limited touches because of Jordan Howard was kind of in the way. And uh, he's guaranteed to get more touches this year. He's guaranteed to get more yards. And, uh, I think so he's RB 15 and we already know these things and he only scored six touchdowns last year. Uh, So Mm -hmm. the top 12 upside is kind of hard to ignore. Uh, I think it's just a question is, can he be a top five, top six back with all these touches? Uh, I I think it's, it depends if he can get double digit touchdowns. I think that's the the biggest barrier. Touchdowns. Yeah, I'm with you there. The, the more I think about it, because Joe Mixon's in that area for me as well, and he's an interesting case being on on the Bengals and the changes they're going through. I think that Sanders, and, and he's getting drafted like this too in certain places, is that he has top five upside if he just gets enough work. The question is how much of that work is, is going to be taken away. So uh, 
I definitely think the, the floor is there too. So you think of range of outcomes for a player. I think the floor for guys like Joe Mixon and even like Eckler and, it, and possibly Drake too is a bit lower than Sanders. And I think that, that Sanders has more upside as well. So if you're sitting at the 12th pick in your redraft, like, are you totally cool with going Sanders and Josh Jacobs to start? It would be tough for me with depending on the wide receivers on the board, honestly, because I'm I'm a bit of a zero RB drafter. Okay. But um, and, and maybe we'll have to practice that out sometime on a future episode or something. Mm-hmm. But I I would be totally fine with that, especially if those are you know some of the only guys left in that tier, because right. you, you know those running backs aren't coming back to you. So if you want to start running back, running back, go grab them. And I I just think if you if you want to take a guy like Sanders. Uh, he looks he looks fine as your RB one, but when you get him in the RB two slot, that's when I think you can get yeah. value from him. So that's mm-hmm. the other thing with Jacobs too is I've done drafts where I draft Nick Chubb and then I come back and get Josh Jacobs. And when you lock in these RB one potential guys as your RB two, that's when that's when things start to really, like really look good. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but then any honorable mentions for running backs at ADP that you like a little bit later? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll pretty much being a zero RB drafter or, or having a tendency to go that way. I'll like anyone that's in the later rounds. So, uh, we've got you know, Ronald Jones mentioned on this list, but I think his ADP is jumping up a bit. Yeah, Same good. with Tariq Cohen. Cause he's got a lot of potential for receptions, but I think people are starting to figure it out. Those are the main, the main two that I would mention. I'm getting upset because I used to snag Ronald Jones in the seventh, eighth, ninth round. Yeah. And now like I'm the best ball that I did yesterday. He goes in the mid fifth and it's just like, it's kind of, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's tough when we get closer to draft day. It's like, okay, well you were getting a value on these guys before, which is why they're so good. But now that they're creeping up, you're going to have to look elsewhere. Yep. But uh, Tariq Cohen's probably my favorite one, especially in a best ball league. Uh, you can get him in the eighth or ninth round. And uh, just the stats that I've done from digging with, uh, Nick Foles last year there was two full games that he played with Leonard Fournette and Fournette had 19 targets in those games so uh, Nick Foles is very very car like where he can target the running backs like a mofo so Mm -hmm. uh, 19 targets in 11 in two games Uh, so I'm super yeah the the offensive coordinator from the the Jaguars John DeFilippo he was there last year he's with the Bears now and he's been with he's been with Foles for like that Super Bowl run in Philly too I believe so uh, a lot of continuity there. Like they've got a, a good relationship and I think that does bode well for Cohen. Yeah. I, I'm super excited. And I don't, I really don't know how the bears offense is going to look this year. They're going to try to run the ball with Monty. They're going to try to, to throw to Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, but Tariq Cohen's really the fourth best player on that team. They're going to get him touches. And uh, I don't know. I think the passing upside is pretty good with him. Uh, so with that, we're going to move on to wide receiver. I think we can kind of make these wide receivers a little bit quicker uh, for me, I have Tyler Boyd. I had a really tough time deciding Tyler Boyd or Michael Gallup, but I'm going to be talking mm-hmm. about the Cowboys in a little bit. So uh, I went with Tyler Boyd, and we kind of already talked about – did we talk about the Bengals a little bit in this? Um, uh, just a little bit with Mixon. Obviously, they've got Joe Burrow coming in, and, and hopefully the line, offensive line can get healthy because right. they weren't healthy last year. But Boyd was great last year. Yeah, and so there's a – have you ever used Sharp Football Stats? That's, I'm showing – I have. I, I've looked at it briefly uh, um, a time or two. Grouping frequencies. Um, last year, the number one team to uh, – hold on, it's not working. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> the team that ran the most uh, three wide receiver sets last year was the Bengals. They ran 76% of their plays with a three wide receiver set. 
which means you're going to have AJ Green on the outside. You know, hopefully he's healthy. And then you're probably going to have someone else on the outside, whether that's John Ross, Auden Tate, T Higgins, they're going to rotate probably that position, mm-hmm. but Tyler Boyd's going to be the middle of the field. And when you think about what Joe Burrow excelled at at LSU, he was throwing to Justin Jefferson in the slot. So uh, I just I just think there's going to be a ton of passing attempts. We don't. It's kind of like the Jaguars and the uh, the Panthers, like we talked about. We don't expect much from them this year, uh, so they're going to be throwing the ball a lot and often. Uh, so Tyler Boyd, if we look at what he did last year, I think he was wide receiver 17, and he had 90 receptions, uh, 148 targets. That's probably not going to happen again this year. <laughs> Uh, but he did crack a thousand yards. He had five touchdowns. And I think I can make the argument that AJ Green's presence is going to help him because teams have to worry about him. They have to worry about Mixon. So you're going to have Tyler Boyd kind of running around the middle of the field. And uh, I don't know. I just think he's for like a sixth or seventh round pick. You're locking in a guy who was a wide receiver 17 last year. Uh, at worst, he's probably a top 25 receiver. And he's a guy that you yeah. can much rely on in PPR leagues every week to get you at least 10, 12 points. Uh, so he's just one of those those safety net receivers for me. So uh, that's because, I, I mean, I go running back heavy early. So he's I'm really looking at receiver yeah. in the four, five, six rounds. So he's just the guy that comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. He, I, I think he's a super solid guy. And when I've been doing some mock drafts on sleeper, he pops up in like the seventh round. So I think he's great either as your wide receiver three or as a depth piece, like wide receiver four, depending on your, your draft structure. And uh, you mentioned AJ Green in there, and I know the big uh, argument with Boyd in 2018 was that you know his splits with Green on the field and off the field, he was actually a better performer when Green was on the field. So that's a, a good point that you bring up there that he that doesn't really take away from his opportunity. I love that, and like you mentioned going quicker on these, so I'm going to jump right into my guy, and I I don't have you know, too much to say other than I've been talking about this guy constantly and it's DJ Moore. And there is no fantasy prospect out there that I'm more confident in than DJ Moore. I'll take him in the third round at any, I'll take him at any pick in the third round if I have to, to get him. Okay. And I just look at what he's done so far in his career. He's only 23 years old. So he's a bit younger as well, but you look at just for the sake of comparison, Michael Thomas's second year in the league He chalked up 104 receptions, 1,245 yards, and five touchdowns. And last year, DJ Moore, in his second season, his 16-game pace, and he played 14 full games, so pacing that out, 98 receptions, 1,324 yards, and five touchdowns would have been his 16-game pace. He did that with Kyle Allen as his quarterback. And now he's going to have Teddy Bridgewater, who did great things for Michael Thomas down the stretch or in the middle of the season last year. You mentioned Joe Brady's offense already at LSU. You know, you watch the tape. I think DJ Moore does a lot of the same things Michael Thomas does. And Matt Rule, this is just a a fun nugget, but Matt Rule actually offered DJ Moore a scholarship coming out of high school when Rule was coaching at Temple and DJ Moore decided to commit to Maryland. But I think that that's something where Matt Rule's like, I finally get to coach this guy. I'm going to target the heck out of them now that I'm head coach at Carolina and I've got him on my team. And I think the stars are just aligning for this third year breakout. Like you look at him and you look at, you know, what Chris Godwin has done, what Michael Thomas has done. Those guys are, you know, all super similar in, in terms of their, you know, ability to just catch everything that comes their way, their route running ability. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for positive regression in the touchdown area as well. Like Christian McCaffrey can't be hogging all of this production forever. So uh, I, 
I think he's a smash wherever you draft him. He's going super late in most ADPs, and I don't understand it. Uh, I've got him ranked as my seventh wide receiver off the board. So draft DJ Moore. That's like my one thing that I'll stake my reputation on more than anything else. So I have him as my wide receiver nine right now. And I think he's yeah. be on fantasy pros is about 13. And he's like almost one of those auto pick guys for me in the third round. I, everything about DJ Moore I love. And I think the number one stat that I look at as I like, he's going to get the volume. He's going to be a thousand yard. He's just going to be probably getting eight to 10 targets per game almost. Uh, but it's the touchdown bar. He's only got six career touchdowns in two seasons. There's a chance where he could just get six this year, you know? Yeah. I think that's kind of like the boost, you know, the touchdowns is if he can get, you know, six or seven this year, he's going to finish as like a top five threat. And uh, I, I'm just thinking, like, going back to last year, I had really good, like, tingly feelings for Chris Godwin. Like every, like the, you said, the stars aligned mm. player. And uh, mm. you can basically see the freaking Aurora – whatever you know the, <laughs> the aurora borealis yeah. is it like <laughs> DJ Moore. so uh we already mentioned the, the new offense we mentioned the defense not being very good uh christian mccaffrey cannot be getting you know all this workload anymore um so i i, I just think i mean they're he's gonna be he's, he's gonna be a top five maybe receiver some weeks and uh top mm. net lock, i think so i love everything about dj Moore. probably one of my it gets tough though because I like Kenny Galladay, so sometimes I, I I switch my mind in the third round. Yeah. I just get different shares of different players, uh, but he's he's got he's got the good. So I love DJ Moore. And uh, I'm just trying to think any other receivers you want to throw out there that uh, might be popping up on your teams often. Uh, I mean, all of those guys in the mid rounds are great. I think there's a really exciting crop. So if you do like going running back heavy, you can get a lot of depth in the, in the middle rounds. I think. I think Tyler Lockett's overlooked right now. I think he did a lot in the first eight games. He, you know, had a pretty um, shocking like visit to the hospital after a game, like with a leg injury, and that might have, you know, kind of killed his momentum in the second half of the year. So that's someone who I find a lot in like the fourth round that is just being overlooked. Yeah, and, and I mean, just the connection with Russell Wilson. You yeah, know, the team's not going to have a lot of volume, but when they do throw it, they're really only throwing it to two guys, and Tyler Lockett's probably one of them. And uh, mm-hmm. he does have he does have double digit touchdown upside. Like, if I'm just super curious to see if he didn't get derailed last year with that leg injury, like he could have had so much better of a season, and he still had a hell of a year. Uh, what was he like, wide receiver like 11 or something? Yeah, I feel like he'd had to be would have to be up there. We've heard, you know, whispers that Russell Wilson wants to push the ball more, be faster paced than than what they've done in the past. So it'll be interesting to see if they'll like the offense, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks will just listen to Russ and and kind of start airing it out a bit more. And I think that that would benefit both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But obviously DK Metcalf is you know, he's an ascending talent, but he's also still this kind of boom bust prospect. So it'd be interesting to see what happens there. I, I I tend to lean Lockett in that debate, but I mean, honestly, it could go, you could go either way with it. Yep. And then I guess I'll throw out another receiver that's been coming on to me lately, like in the seventh or eighth rounds, it's Brandon cooks just because Oh yeah, he could be the leading receiver on the Houston Texans. And if you look at his career, you know, statistics, he's only only had like the one bad year. Other than that, He's been, you know, basically a top 15, top 20 receiver for most of these seasons. And uh, with, you know, the uncertainty of Will Fuller being in and out of the lineup, they do have Randall Cobb there. But I think they're going to have a really good uh, connection with Cooks and Watson. Uh, 
Cooks is probably getting sick of being traded, so he wants to to make <laughs> this maybe his last stop. So I could just see, uh, and, and then he's kind of got the chip on his shoulder, like I have to replace DeAndre Hopkins. Um, so yeah. maybe that could lead to some big things, but he's being drafted as wide receiver 36 right now. And that just seems like a little bit of a weird thing for me because he could be the leading receiver for Texans. So uh, I'm, into, I'm into Cooks at ADP. And then, uh, yeah, let's move on to our tight ends. And for me, I've been, this has been a really strong, steady drumbeat for me all summer, but it's Blake Jarwin for the Cowboys. And uh, I don't know, it seems like some people are starting to get on board with him. Uh, but the most common misconception, I think, is like the volume is there's not going to be enough targets to go around. Uh, right. And you've got Amari Cooper, you've got Michael Gallup, and then they're going to add C.D. Lamb to this. Uh, how is this going to work for a tight end to be a tight end one? Uh, but last year, if you look at the team, they Dak Prescott, he was just under 600 total targets uh, or passing attempts. He had 596. And uh, if you look at Cooper, Cooper had 119 of those. Gallup had 113. And then Randall Cobb, this is where some of the targets are going to be up for grabs, but Randall Cobb had 83 all by himself. Uh, so if you just pencil in C.D. Lamb for at least 83 for now, that'll cover that. Um, and then you have Jason Witten, who was somehow he finished as the PPR tight end 11, uh, which is kind of <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and dude, here's, here's the biggest thing with Jason Witten. He had 83 targets last year, uh, but 63 receptions, 530 yards, but it was a, a really – terrible 8.4 yards per catch and then when you compare that to Blake Jarwin uh Jarwin had 41 targets himself with 31 receptions and he was catching it at 11.8 yards per catch uh, so not only is is he stepping into the Jason Witten potentially 80 some target role uh, but he's going to add three yards of value per catch which I just think is a huge deal and uh, uh, Dak Prescott ended up throwing seven touchdowns to tight ends last year uh, Jarwin already caught three of those. I think it's Jarwin's third year in the league. Uh, they paid him this off season and he's going to be on the field a ton. Like if you went and looked at the personnel group groupings on sharpfootball.com, they pretty much have a tight end on the field, like 90 some percent of the time. And uh, the, the depth behind Jarwin, it's kind of non-existent. They have a couple blocking tight ends and things like that. Uh, but how are you going to cover the Cowboys? You have to think about Zeke. You have to contain Dak Prescott with his legs and then you have to worry about freaking Cooper, Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb. Like, who's the one guy that's probably going to get the easiest matchup, you know, on a given play? It's going to be Jarwin kind of running down the middle or just doing some kind of little thing where he just hangs out and catches a pop pass yeah. real quick. Um, it's so such I, a tight end name too, right? Blake Jarwin. Like, <laughs> I, I love it. I have seen that throughout the season. And I've been warming up to the potential of it a little bit more. Um and I obviously or honestly have not done enough deeper research into just his profile as a player, but I like everything you mentioned there. Like if Jason Witten can be a top 12, like a startable tight end last season, then Blake Jarwin can improve upon that. And you are getting him in, especially in home leagues. Like no one's drafting Blake Jarwin in he's, a home league. He's the 19th tight end on fantasy pros average draft position. <laughs> and people, I people will draft Dallas Goddard before they draft Blake Jarwin. I'm pretty confident in that in home leagues because they've heard about Goddard and his upside so much. Uh, so I love that as like, if you really decide to punt on tight end ultimate punt. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, if the thing for me is if I'm punting or if I'm going double digit rounds for a tight end, I'm likely to grab two of them because staking your claim on just one of those guys doesn't give you a lot of flexibility or like, 
you know, we're, there's so many, everyone's debating who the late round breakout tight end is going to be after Darren Waller and Mark Andrews happened last year. So I think it's going to be hard to find that guy. I think there's a lot of different options and I see positives for all of them. So I might as well double my chances in the draft than trying to stream later on. And I guess my process, when especially when I do these best ball leagues, I'm watching these guys and I kind of have, okay, so like when I see Hayden Hurst or Jusicki go, I kind of know that, okay, now it's time for me to draft my tight end. Mm-hmm. And the three tight ends that have been on my teams the most is I'll, if, if, if I'm picking and I have kind of two picks together, I'll take Dallas Goddard and Johnny Smith. And then I know my mm-hmm. next pick is going to be Blake Jarwin. And uh, I go yeah. with three guys, and I know one of them in a best ball league is going to, you know, he's going to get me 10, 12 points at worst. Uh, so that's kind of how I do it. Yeah. Or even in like in that best ball scenario, you're likely going to end up, or your lineup is going to end up starting the player that scores that week. And, mm-hmm. and that's great because we do need like tight ends to score to be good for fantasy more often than not. Um, and you mentioned John Smith in there. I'll touch on him quickly. I mean, it doesn't help that I'm a Titans homer, like weird story. I grew up in green Bay. Now I'm a Titans fan, but uh, I digress. Jonu Smith. I love because yeah, like for Blake Jarwin, there's a lot of targets and a high powered offense, but the concentration of targets on the Titans offense is going to be ridiculous. I think Jonu Smith is the second best passing option on this team. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say I have him second in target share on that team. So he's actually uh, in my rankings right now. I have well, I have Goddard as my tight end eight. Johnny Smith is my nine and Jarwin's my 10. So like those are my three dudes that have just I've been. Yeah, those picks. Yeah, I just think that his target share is going to be high enough, even in a low volume offense that they can't run the ball as much as they have. Like the passing attempts are going to go up from what they were last season. And, and John Smith could easily be the second highest targeted player on this team. Delaney Walker, you know, he was hurt when, when John was flashing last season. Now he's not even there. And he's got, you know, Anthony Ferkser behind him. He might vulture some touchdowns, which would suck. But other than that, you've got Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, like rookie Darrington Evans, and, and Derrick Henry is on like a pass catching back. So, you know, behind, it's just A.J. Brown and John Smith, and that's it. And I think both of those guys – you know, obviously we know about AJ Brown, but Johnny Smith has great yards after the catchability as well. Uh, you know, Kyle Yates from Fantasy Pros has Johnny Smith projected statistically as a top six tight end, and I think a lot of that comes from his ability to get way more targets than most people are projecting him for. Yeah, I mean, I can see him being a three to four or five catch guy per game, and uh, I'm just looking at his yards per catch right now. Uh, his so he's a fourth year tight end. So uh, these guys, kind of that we were talking about, they're entering that breakout tight end, you know, range. You know, being 25, 26 years old, and uh, he averaged 12.9 yards per catch in 2018, and then 12.5 last year. So, I mean, he really only needs three or four plays a game to make your fantasy day. You know, and mm-hmm. I just think he's got what is it, eight career touchdowns? I could see him getting six to eight just this year. Yeah. Uh, so, and just from the reports I've read, uh, the, the team knows that he is their guy. And it's it's the first season where he's walking into it knowing that I'm the featured tight end. I get to do, you know, everything that I've seen Delaney Walker do. So uh, super excited about Johnny Smith and the Titans. Uh, the Titans, man, they got some good pieces on their offense this year that might end up on my teams. Yeah, they're, they're really running it back. So I'm excited to see how they perform as a team. Um, hopefully they do get forced to throw a little bit more, but you mentioned like that they're going to rely on him. I mean, they threw, and this is like the one thing that is great for, you know, hanging your hat on film wise 
is they threw Jonu Smith that fade in the end zone against the Ravens, like when they needed a play, that could easily become like a regular connection between Tannehill and Smith. And they have been working out in the offseason together a little bit as well. So uh, I'm really excited to see how they really expand the opportunities that they give to Jonu Smith. I guess I want to throw Ryan Tannehill's name into the quarterback conversation for your QB2 because I'm looking at fantasy pros and his average draft position is about quarterback 18, which just seems ridiculously low because I think he's, I mean, for most of last season, he was a top five QB almost every week uh, down the stretch. Mm -hmm. I know people are going to say his efficiency is coming down, but it's not going to come down to quarterback 18. And uh, in best ball leagues, I've been stacking Ryan Tannehill with Johnny Smith as like one of those just little power boosts. Uh, for a weekly, you know, touchdown. Or yeah. Two. Uh, but yeah. Titans offense. It's going to, what's cool is it's very predictable. We know how the Titans are going to move the ball. So like, just take, just take Tannehill, Derrick Henry, AJ Brown and Johnny Smith. You're probably going to have a good time. Totally agree there. And and I love when, you know, obviously the more predictable things can be for fantasy, the better off we are. So That's what you want. So any other tight ends you want to mention, or uh, I guess we can kind of open it up here to end the show. We got about, it's about 921. You still got a few minutes yet? Yeah, I've still got time. Um, I, In terms of tight ends, you know, I know you mentioned Dallas Goddard. I, I think that's fine. I, I I do want to mention Hayden Hurst because that's another place where there's a lot of vacated targets and that's a high volume passing offense. So I do I do like the, the prospect of Hurst. I just worry about the price. And that's why I chose Johnny Smith for someone I really wanted to highlight because we're looking at it against ADP as well, right? Like, Hayden Hurst and Jonu Smith could see similar volume and you're getting Jonu Smith from anywhere from two to five rounds later in your draft. And so that's why it's tough for me to take Hurst in certain spots. Like I'd love to have him, but the hype for Hurst is, is a lot higher. And so I'm just looking for more value in, in like the later rounds. And if I'm not grabbing like Kittle or Kelsey, I'm right. just going to punt a little bit. So Hurst is one of those guys where if there's someone in your league that's just like, oh, I'm getting Hayden Hurst, like then like I'm out. But like if he if he starts to fall into like the Noah Fan, TJ Hawkinson, Tyler Higby kind of role, that's when I'm okay with taking Hurst. Hurst, um, there's no way he's going to be able to produce what Austin Hooper did. But could he do it to like 80 percent, 90 percent of what Hooper did? I think that's that's a really good question. And uh, I mean, the, I think the bar with Austin Hooper is pretty low. I think from a talent level wise, they're they're almost the same player. They're going to pretty much offer you, you know, 10 to 11 yards per catch. They're both going to block pretty well. They're just very reliable tight ends. Uh, and I think their, um, their, their draft profiles ended up being very similar outlooks for players. But, uh, I mean, it's hard to ignore Austin Hooper as the tight end six last year with 97 targets and six touchdowns, almost 800, 800 yards. Uh, but, again, I think you're also just investing in the offense. You're investing in the role. Um, I guess the Falcons could be one of those teams that we talked about, like the Jags and the Panthers being not uh, a very trustworthy defense and a team that's going to pass the ball a lot. So I like everything about the Falcons. And then uh, I guess my take with Dallas Goddard is he was the PPR tight end 10 last year. And this is with a a 15 game season from Zacherts. So you're, you're drafting a guy that already has top 12 upside at the position. And uh, it's it's not it's never good to draft like a handcuff tight end, but he is the ultimate handcuff. If, if Zacherts, if anything happens to Zacherts, where would we, where are we ranking Dallas Goddard on a weekly basis? Yeah, it's probably a top five tight end. <laughs> it's so funny because if there's one fantasy take that I've heard over the past like 
two, three years, it's that if Zach Ertz gets hurt, Dallas Goddard is a smash. So like that's it's almost one of the certainties in fantasy football at this point. So I, I do you know like that take and obviously Wentz likes his tight ends. They're almost I mean it's almost forced to use them. But, but those are the, those are the leading targets in the in the offense. Yeah. And, and I've always been like, I hate having, you know, the second tight end on the offense. But if they're both getting the production, then you might have, you just got to shift your – yeah, you got to be able to just shift your perspective on that. The thing is, if you look at I'm, – I'm showing Dallas Goddard's game log from last season, and he was kind of rocky to start the year. But from week six on, uh, and this is including the playoff game, so this is maybe 10 or 12 games, he only had three games below double digits, and those were 9.8 points, 7.9, and 7.1. So if those are your bad weeks, uh, he's, he's, he's basically got a really good floor of about 10 to 12 PPR points. So he's a really good punt play at tight end. And again, he's just one of those guys that I target with Janu and uh, with Blake Jarwin to kind of round out my tight end room. Those are consistent target numbers for tight end too. I like seeing that. Yeah. There was only like a few games in there, like four or five, five. But after that, every other game is like a minimum of six targets. And, yeah. and that's what you really hope for. And he's highly efficient with those targets. You see like his big target game was 12 targets and he caught nine of those. And it's seven mm-hmm. for, eight, for seven. You know, he's, he's very efficient. He's yeah. Got a good connection. So I love Goddard. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah, this was fun. Thank you so much for being on the show. You got any other parting thoughts or things you needed to get off your mind? No, I, I appreciate you having me on the show, Kyle. Uh, again, you can follow me at Andrew Mackins and you can follow our site or my site at The Undroppables. Um, again, I'm an editor and contributor there. So at The Undroppables on Twitter, theundroppables.com on the web. We're again dropping an article almost every day, maybe not on weekends, but every day of the week. So Really excited about what we got going on there and how we're going to um, take that into the season. Yeah, man. And uh, I just got to say, I, I mean, you've had a really hell of a, you had a hell of a summer. Uh, just, just being, <laughs> this is your first like full year of doing, you know, stuff for other websites. Uh, yeah. So I, I really is, this is the first off season that I jumped into actual writing, like for, for my own website and then kind of converted that content into the undroppables. So I was excited about that last year I did. And even before that, I've done some like fantasy football podcasting. So I also got a plug pod after touchdown again, that uh, is on like anywhere that you can find podcasts. I do that with Sam Hopp and, you know, thanks for pulling that up. So it's at pod after TV on Twitter. We've got a new episode dropping today, which is, you know, Thursday and that's, we're going to maintain that as well. So this is really the, the year that I got involved, a lot more involved in writing and on Twitter and, and I've, been loving it I, i've been loving you know being engaged in the community and yep. and you know doing things like this as well yeah this is one thing that i mean i've done you're really the first guest that i've ever had on the show i've done some episodes with our mutual friend jesse meineke who i think i'm recording yeah. a podcast with tomorrow night so uh, nice. i'm trying to expand my my comfort zone and get more people on the show and do some more talks but uh, i think it'd be cool i don't know if you want to meet up one more time before the season starts or maybe you'd be hop in week one or two and we can kind of review some of these takes that we're, we're given uh but uh yeah man uh, i don't know i just we'll close with that you're probably going to get on your call soon um so i want to say go ahead and follow andrew mackins i was showing him on the screen share here i'm going to put his links in, in the description below too uh but yeah thank you for your time and uh have a good one peace yeah see you guys